Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Are you a true believer? Now, my purpose is not to place any doubt in your mind, but simply to remind you that in the last days, the Bible says that many will depart from the truth. There is coming a time of apostasy, which is a departure from proper doctrine. And what I want you to understand is this. There is going to be many people from within the church that were never truly believers. They thought they were. Perhaps they were told that they were. But in actuality, they did not accept that gospel message. They believed that through the teachings of Messiah, that they would have a better life, that they would do things that would be pleasurable for them, that they would have success. They have believed a false gospel. And when things get difficult, and believe me, things are going to become very difficult for believers in this world as we approach the last days and enter into them. And many, as the scripture says, their love is going to grow cold. They are going to say to themselves, I never thought that by believing in this one called Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, that I was going to be persecuted, that I would lose things. I came to him to gain things. And what are they going to do? In difficult times, they're going to depart from the faith, a faith that truly they never had. There are many false teachers today. I was listening to an individual, and I'm not saying he's a false teacher, but when asked concerning eternal security, what is that? That is a biblical doctrine that says this. If one has truly been saved, they receive eternal life. And if you have eternal life, I believe it's just that, eternal life. You will never lose your salvation because the scripture says you have become a new creation. And I don't know of any scripture that says one is born again, regenerated, that new creation, that kingdom creation, and then they revert back to being unregenerated. There's no scripture that teaches that. And when someone says to the question, is one eternally secure in their salvation? If that person says, I don't know, then that person is not trained in the word of God. When that person will say something to the effect, God is not going to save you against your will. Well, I believe with that. And then he also says he will not maintain your salvation against your will. I don't know the scripture that teaches that. I strongly believe that once one becomes a new creation in Messiah, his salvation 
is eternally secure because it's not based upon what we have done, but our salvation is based upon the sufficiency of the cross. And if we are true believers, the Bible promises us we will receive the Holy Spirit as the assurance. Paul says the word, the guarantee of our salvation and the Holy Spirit for believers. He will never depart. He will never leave us. He is going to move in our life to cause us to persevere in the last days, not depart, but persevere in the last days. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Luke and chapter 6. Luke's gospel and chapter 6. I would invite you to look at verse 39. Now here we have a parable and other sayings of Messiah that challenges our faith, meaning this, wanting to demonstrate through these words whether one is a true believer or not. And not just a true believer, but are we behaving as a true believer? That's very important, that we believe the right thing and in doing so, that we do the right thing. So let's begin. Look with me to that 39th verse where Yeshua is speaking and he says, but he said a parable to them. A blind one is not able, a blind one to lead. Now that's pretty obvious. It is not good for a blind man to be led by another blind individual. What's going to be the outcome? He says, will not both of them into the pit shall fall. So if we're following a blind teacher, one who does not know the word of God, that one who is spiritually blind is going to lead us into destruction. We are going to fall. Why does he use this illustration? Because many who have accepted a false doctrine, false teaching, they are going to fall. They are being led into, and notice that word, into the pit. And that word pit in the Old Testament is used frequently as a place of destruction, as a place of punishment. So we want to follow those who know the truth and live out the truth. Look at verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but one who is trained thoroughly, everyone who is trained thoroughly, he will be as his teacher. And what does it mean he will be as his teacher? Well, there's going to be an agreement, but he is going to be as, and this implies, he is going to demonstrate in action the same thing that his teacher demonstrates. There is going to be a, a consistency of not only doctrine, but also actions. And this, again, is an emphasis of this passage, that we not only know the truth, but we demonstrate the truth in our life. That's what true believers do. Look now to verse 41. But why do you, the speck, 
in the eye of your brother, but the, the plank that is in your own eyes you do not notice. Now, what does it say here? He asks the question, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but the board, the plank that is in your own eye, you do not notice? And this is simply a tendency that those things that are not right with others, we hone in on them. We notice them, but the, the big things that are wrong in our life, we don't pay attention to. That is not how a true disciple behaves. What does Messiah say here? Look again. Why do you see the speck in the eye of your brother, but the plank in your own eye you do not notice? Verse 42. Or how are you able to say to your brother, Brother, allow me to cast out the speck in your eye, but that very plank that is in your eye you do not see. What does he say next? Hypocrite. And this is the problem. He's warning us that if our actions do not go along with our professions, then we are a hypocrite. And we don't want to be hypocrites. We want to be people who are gracious, who are kind, who are understanding, and who first understand the importance of getting our own life in order before we begin to criticize perhaps or speak concerning others who are also struggling in the faith. We all struggle and therefore we need to be gracious and we need to understand a very important principle. And this is what's being referred to here and that's this. If you see a problem in someone else's life, Perhaps the reason why God showed you that problem is you have that same problem in your life. Many times the things that bother us, that we latch on to as a problem in someone else's life, we have that same tendency, that same issue in our life, and therefore we see it in others in order that we take notice of that same thing in our life. This is what Messiah is saying. Therefore, before you begin to criticize and think that you can minister to someone else, first, deal with it yourself. And then only afterwards, this is what he's saying, then afterwards, you're able to minister to your friend, to your brother. He says in the middle of verse 42, hypocrite, cast out first the plank out of your own eye and then you will see thoroughly. And there's a change here. Usually, we see the word blepo, which means I see. But this is a different word. Same root. The word blepo there is, is there in Greek. But there's the prefix dia, which means thoroughly or across. And what he's saying is this. It is when we go through the process of, of the ministry of the Holy Spirit bringing forth fruit in our own life and us dealing with our own issues, our own shortcomings, our own struggles, our own sin, 
that is going to prepare us for being able to minister to others. This word first speaks of priority. We need to see getting our own life in order is a priority before we think we can minister to others. So he says, hypocrite, cast out first the plank in your own eye, and then you will see thoroughly to cast out the speck in your brother's eye. Verse 43. Now he's talking about works. Are we saved by works? We are not. But works are important to God and should be important to you. Meaning this, we're saved by grace, not of works. It's by faith through the grace of God, it is a free gift. But having received that free gift through grace, our life is supposed to be conformed to the will of God. And therefore, he says this, look at verse 43. For a good tree does not produce rotten or corrupt fruit. Just that simple. If it's a good tree, it's going to produce good fruit. So he says, verse 43, for a tree that is good, good fruit, it produces not rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree that is one that's corrupt. Does it produce good fruit? So again, if there's a tree that is good, it does not produce rotten or corrupt fruit. And likewise, a tree that is corrupt or rotten does not produce good fruit. Look at verse 44. For each tree from its own fruit is known. So important. Now, Trees, if you look, for example, at Psalm 1, oftentimes in the scripture, humanity is likened to a tree. Why? Well, you can look at a tree and see by, by many indicators whether that tree is a good tree, a healthy tree, or not. And the same thing for you and me as believers. We can see by one's fruit, and the implication here is one's behavior, one's actions, one's work, whether they are good, meaning in God's will, or whether they are producing the effects, the outcome of being spiritually corrupt, meaning unregenerated, not being born again, not saved. So he says, look again at verse 44, for each tree out of its own fruit, we could say from its own fruit is known. For not from thorns does one gather that they gather uh, figs. So not from the thorns do one gather, or literally it's plural, do those gather figs. Verse 44, the second part. Nor from a bramble. Now, I had to do some research what is a bramble? A bramble bush is a type of bush that does produce fruit, but it is full of thorns. Now, you can use its fruit, but if you do so, there's going to be some uh, injury very likely in harvesting that. But the point is this. 
We don't, from a bramble, we don't gather grapes. Now, grapes have a special status within the Bible. We talk about the fruit of the vine. Grapes are associated, of course, with, with wine, and wine and grape juice, biblically, according to Jewish law as well, have that same status. And wine is important because it relates to sanctification. And what he's saying is this, from the thorn bush, even though it has fruit, you don't find grapes, meaning this. You don't find that sanctifying influence in that which is thorny. And again, notice the context. He's using both trees and bushes here in regard to individuals. And we don't live and produce that which is holy. Sanctification is related to holy. We don't produce that which is sanctified if we're full of thorns. That's not our nature. That's not what we're called to be. We should not be a thorny person if we're producing a sanctified life, if we're doing those works that reflect holiness. That's what he's saying. Look now to verse 45. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth the good. Again, the word good in the Bible, relates to the will of God. So the one who has a heart that is committed to the will of God, this one is going to demonstrate that which is good, demonstrate the will of God. But he also says this, and the evil man, what's evil? Against the will of God. The man who is evil from the evil treasures of his heart is going to bring forth that which is evil evil meaning this one is known by their heart condition and if you have been regenerated you have a new heart and you are going to think differently and you're going to behave differently but if you have a heart that is unregenerated that is one that is still connected to this world and the things of this world then you are not going to do the things that are related to the will of God. Look now to the last part of verse 45 where it says, again, that evil man from the evil treasures of his heart is going to bring forth evil. Why? For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, notice we can discern someone by the fruit, meaning their actions, but also Pay very close attention to the words, how one speaks, what that mouth says. Because we who have been regenerated, who now are a kingdom creation, who have been born again, it should affect, it must affect how we speak to one another. So we're not going to be thorny people. We're not going to be speaking things against God's will. There is going to be a submissiveness and a commitment to the will of God. Verse 46. But why do you call Lord, Lord? So he's speaking to individuals and he asked them a question. Why do you call me, speaking of Yeshua, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and 
do not do what I say. And this comes right down to the heart of the issue. If we acknowledge him as Lord, then that implies that what he says we're going to do. And what do we know about the teachings of Messiah? Yes, they're rooted in grace. And grace, grace makes the, the simple commandment more difficult. What do I mean by that? Well, let me give you a classic example. We know that the Bible says, thou shall not murder. Doesn't say kill, look at that word. It's a word for murder. So there's the letter of the law, don't murder. Well, I've never murdered anyone, but have I fulfilled the intent of the law? I have not. Why? Because the scripture says, if you hate or you've called someone a fool mean spoken to them or about them in a derogatory manner, he says, you are guilty. So the grace of God does not make the commandment easier. It makes it more stringent. Why? Because through grace, we get at the heart. Paul says it this way. Romans chapter 7, verse 6, that we serve God in a new way, not through the letter of the law, but through the Spirit and the, the regeneration that the Spirit brings. It brings about a change whereby the true intent of the Word of God is going to be fulfilled. Again, he says, But why me do you call Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Verse 47. For everyone who literally is brought. Now, this implies that someone comes to faith. Why? Because they are influenced by the words of Messiah, the truth of God. So it's that truth, that call that Messiah speaks of here that says, yes, I want to produce good fruit. Yes, I want to speak words that are not thorny, but rather those who are gracious. I want to minister to others, and I know I need to get my life in order first. So those who are moved by the truth, they are going to come to him. They're going to be brought to him by his teachings. So everyone who comes to me and hears my words also does them. That's what we're called to be. We hear and therefore we do. This is what the implication of faith is all about. That we are not just hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word. And he says, I'll show to you whom this one is like. He is like a man that is building a house. And what does he do? He digs and he does so deeply. So it's not a shallow faith, but a deep faith. He puts the word into action in a most committed manner. So we read, he has dug and he has done so deeply. And he sets the foundation, and here's the key, upon the rock. Now, the rock is hard. It's stable. It's secure. And the truth of God is that rock that we're referring to, that we are fully committed. We dig deep in the word to get to the heart 
of the text, the, the literal meaning of the revelation of God. So he digs deeply and he sets the foundation upon the rock. Why? When that, that stream, and we could think of this as a flood, when the flood, and this may be the difficulties of life, when there be that, that flood that bursts forth into what? Well, it uses the word river, and it's like, and we need to remember something in Hebrew. Obviously, this is Greek, but there's a Hebrew basis. There's two words for flood. One is mabul, which is a flood that just the waters get deeper and deeper. And then there's the word shitaphon in Hebrew, which is like a river, a flood that comes quickly and bursts into something. And this type of flood brings swift disaster. It comes in a way that is unexpected, but the disaster is great. So he says here that, that what happens? The flood is brought about and that, that stream of water bursts forth against the house, but is not able to shake it. Why? For it has been founded upon the rock. Now again, pay attention to the grammar because that house being founded upon the rock or its foundation being laid upon the rock is in a unique construction. It is in the pluperfect. perfect. Why is that important? This is something that is very remote or rare. What it's saying here is very few people dig that right foundation. They go deeply and they place it upon the rock. Most people are not committed to do that. And therefore, when the floods come and difficulty and hardships and such, what's going to be the outcome? Well, he's going to tell us. Look now to our last verse, verse 49. But the one who has heard and does not do. So the one who has heard, but he does not do it, he did not put it into action. He is like a man who builds a house upon the ground without, hear this, without a foundation. And that stream, that flood comes and the implication, it bursts against. And what happens? Immediately, just like that, it has fallen, that house. And what does the scripture say? And the destruction of that house has become great. What is the message for us? We want to be true disciples. One who have embraced the revelation of God. Who have accepted it as truth. Who love the word of God and dig deeply into the word of God and sets our life upon that right foundation. So when difficulty comes and difficult things and hardships and persecution, they're on the way that we will not suffer destruction of our faith. But our faith is going to be secure just like our salvation is secure in the power of the word of God through the authority of the cross. If you have been truly saved, then you, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And what does Messiah say? I will not erase your name. Good news for us that we might be secure as believers and demonstrate the foundation of our faith. Well, I'll close with that until next time. 
Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.